past the dodgy on the left hand side. Skip this app if you don't like drugs. <laughs> but seriously, this is a legit disclaimer. In this episode, we will be talking to some travellers about their time spent, hmm, let's just say high in the clouds. And this is your cue to skip to the next episode if that isn't your vibe. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. I'm Sav. I'm Charlie. And I'm MJ. And together, we're bringing you the crazy travel stories from around the world that never made it into the guidebooks. Cabin crew, prepare for takeoff. Hello, welcome back to One Night in Bangkok. We have a really interesting topic today, a bit of a fun one. Uh, we're talking everything about drugs and travel, illicit drugs. Drugs. <laughs> 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 to make it sound really exciting. Uh, we tried to do a bit of research around this, but for obvious reasons, a lot of the surveys and studies that we found were about a completely different side of international travel and drugs. It was more more about the dark side. So we're going to look at the fun, lighthearted side today. But I did find a stat for you ladies that one in 10 travellers participate in some sort of illicit drug taking on their travels. Whoa. One in 10. And that, that was like ages 18 to 35, but still. Whoa. Whoa. I, thought it, I thought it would be less than that, to be honest. Like I know I've definitely partaked and that's probably like I'm Thanks. involved in those things, but I didn't think that it'd be 10% of people. That's crazy when you put it like that. Yeah, and I guess when you think about it, a lot of um, destinations are painted in that way, for better or worse, and whether it's true or not. Um, but, you know, certainly like Ibiza comes to my mind with all the clubbing culture there and and certainly everyone I know that's been to Ibiza has taken drugs there. I don't, I don't know that anyone's going out to the clubs till 4am without taking drugs. <laughs> <laughs> or in the right mind to be able to accept spending 18 euro on a bottle of water. <laughs> Ouch. Or Amsterdam is another one, right? Like, again, like between that 18 to 35, category I literally don't know anyone that's been that hasn't partaked in smoking a bit of green while they're there (laughs) yeah well they've got the coffee shop set up there for that exact reason when I when I was there like years ago that was one of the first things that everyone were on exchange and that was one of the first things like take us to a coffee shop and the local Dutch students that we studied with and hung out with didn't really do it. it. It was sort of more aimed at the tourists or foreigners. There wasn't that many Dutch people that I knew that did it, but there was certainly that idea that you were in the Netherlands and that's where you, you go to a coffee shop at the end. There wasn't even really a discussion. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Gili Tea, like in Indonesia as well. That's known for mushrooms. Like you go there and you can pretty much get whatever you want. And yeah, everyone always goes there to have a pretty crazy trip on on the old mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> MJ, you and I definitely had a couple yeah. of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely remember that night. It was absolutely incredible. I remember actually saying that I never wanted to stop taking mushrooms at one point. <laughs> A bit, like, a, bit, a bit mortifying, but yeah, but you also couldn't stop seeing ET. That was mortifying. <laughs> he wasn't scary though. He was just looking down on me, and you know, he was just looking out for me. It was like ET was my guardian angel that night. I don't know. I also said that I was going to name my firstborn child after one of our friends, which I, I still kind of stand by that. I do like that name. <laughs> 
thing with mushrooms, actually. It's, it's a little less known, but there's this really amazing place called San Jose del Pacifico in Mexico. And I went there and they do it more of a spiritual and ritual reasoning. And to be honest, I actually learned that they started giving mushrooms to their kids at like age six. That's when they think that they're okay oh. to do it. Oh, oh. oh. that oh. used to be a <laughs> Man, I was like, what, 22, 23, and I was gone. I was done for. So I don't know what, about, what it looks like <laughs> when you're six. <laughs> Maybe it's like one of those things where the earlier you start, the, the higher the tolerance is. Like, like in India when the kids grow up eating really spicy curries and so it doesn't mean anything to them anymore, whereas – you know, if you've never eaten a spicy curry before and then you do it, you're, you're that person that's sweating and red in the face. Maybe it's like that. Mm, makes sense. I have no idea. I really <laughs> – <laughs> all I really remember was the best sunset of my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, even like the whole spiritual side again, you think about how many people travel to South America specifically. I know there's other places, but to do ayahuasca ceremonies for all different sorts of reasons. And a lot of it is to kind of, I guess, go through trauma and release things and to learn about yourself and have, I guess, some sort of awakening. What actually is this ayahuasca ceremony? I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. I'm pretty sure that ayahuasca comes from a tree, but essentially like when you go to an ayahuasca ceremony, you will, I've never been to one, but I definitely want to go. But there's usually a shaman there who's sort of the leader of the ceremony. All ceremonies are different. Sometimes you'll all sit in a circle and you'll all get a cup that you'll all drink from this cup, which is the ayahuasca. Apparently it tastes like shit. It just tastes like poison. And you pass it around to the group. And everyone has a sip. And depending on what ceremony you go to, you might lead in with some chanting. I've also heard that people get their own space that they have to be in and like they get their water, they get their bucket because apparently you just projectile vomit. It's like you're vomiting the demons out of yourself. That's That's why I haven't done it yet because I'm also like a little bit terrified because I mean you yeah you're you're expelling all the demons out of yourself and it's a big spiritual awakening and it, and it lasts for hours it goes on and on and on like I know people that have been vomiting for like seven hours yeah but they, no. but they said that they had the best time ever <laughs> the funniest thing is actually I know that we are all massive Hamish and Andy fans and who can't be to be honest mm-hmm. like oh love them best boys ever anyway so you know their famous gap year so they would go away and they would film certain situations and put themselves in different scenarios they actually went to South America and a part of their gap year they actually took the ayahuasca and they have a cup each and so there's one cup with ayahuasca one cup without and Hamish and Andy don't know who's got what and they have to drink it and then like like Russian roulette Honestly, it is one of the best Gap Year episodes. Like, oh, so, 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 so good. I love it. I definitely recommend trying to watch it. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's so good. I haven't even seen that. I want to watch that now. All I can think about when you're talking about these ceremonies is that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa goes into the water and she becomes the lizard queen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how I picture myself if I was to do one of these ceremonies. (laughs) It's pretty much like that. You, yeah, you're tripping absolute balls, but... You, you kind of find comfort in the fact that you look around the space and everybody else is just as fucked as you are. So, <laughs> so you kind of just take comfort in that fact. And plus, like the shaman's there. Nothing can go wrong when a shaman's there. Like, come on. I don't it, know. 
Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, when you say shaman, I don't feel reassured. <laughs> Same though, same though. But I think what's really interesting to note is, and we kind of touched on it in um, our episode about promiscuous adventures when you're traveling, is that you kind of end up in those situations because it's it's voluntary risk taking, right? Like it's we we spoke about it. When you go away, you kind of give yourself this license to thrill, right? <laughs> All right, double oh seven. <laughs> But let's thrill our listener. Let's get to the stories. Let's get to the good, good. Yeah, the good stuff. (laughs) You can see me raising my eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink. Meet Josh. He was backpacking with a friend, enjoying the sights and sounds of India. What he didn't realise is that his daily bung lassie was about to send him on the trip of a lifetime. And this is his story. Hello, Josh. Welcome to One Night in Bangkok. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. We are talking about all things drugs today. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought in your earlier wilder days um, you might have some story to tell us and turns out you do. Yeah. Well, let let me say I think of all my um, travel stories, I never thought, um, you know, one revolving around uh, drugs would would be the penultimate tale to tell. But um, in hindsight... When I started thinking about this, it um, didn't just define some of my travel stories, but it probably defined my 20s. Um, so I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think there might be some things here to unpack. <laughs> I'll do my best to help you unpack them. Well, okay, so if we start to get into this story, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be? You are in India, right? How did you come to be there? Who are you with? Yeah. Just tell us a little bit of background about your trip and, and how you got to that point. Sure. Well, look, the, the setup is, is important here. So I was, so I, I can tell you, it was December 2005. Uh, no, sorry, December 2004. I was at home and uh, I had a, a really good mate of mine, Raf, with his name. One day he came over and we were just talking. And I should mention, because uh, it is important, that at this point in my life, I finished high school, I'm playing music full time, and I am smoking a lot of green right that's pretty much like <laughs> that that's what we did right because it, it was just always time to do it it was very much the lifestyle we were, we were having a bit of a sesh and uh you know as you do start talking just garbage and um and he just said to me we should go to india and i went <laughs> <laughs> obviously <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, let's do it. And I was like, fuck yeah, like when do you want to go? And he's like, let's, let's go tomorrow. So I was like, yeah, let's, yeah, like why didn't I think of this? So this is no joke. So the next morning we get up and uh, apply for our visas, get him issued on the spot, and then went to see his friend who was a travel agent. I was like, I want to go to India now. And she's like, we can't go now, <laughs> um, but you can probably go tomorrow or the next day. We are like, great, book it. And that was it. That's how we got out of here. How long were you planning on going for? I think we planned to go for a month. Uh, we ended up being a bit longer. It's about three months, but uh, it was all pretty negotiable. We were, we just like we were, you know, nineteen or something. So it was all about backpacking. We were like, this is how much is in the bank account. We will just stay for as long as we can stretch this out. We, the, we got to a point where we were living off. It was eight dollars a day. So we got there, and I went to a, a tailor. And we got them to make us 
uh, hammocks out of parachute material, and and th- those are our beds. And we took them around this country with us. Literally, like we would have dinner in a restaurant and be like, "Can we sleep in the kitchen? Um, we'll pay you like thirty cents." They'd be like, "Yeah, great." And we would just hang our hammocks up. Like we were proper backpacking. The whole trip is just a comedy of errors, right? So ended up get, we we stopped over in Malaysia. Um, no one had, we didn't bother to look at our itinerary. Didn't realize that we actually had a two day stop. So that was cool. <laughs> Um, and when we flew to India, we had a flight from KL to Delhi. We were going to arrive in Delhi at like 3am and we hadn't really thought about it, um, but we were just so excited to be on a plane. It was full service. Anyway, we ended up drinking. I, she ended up giving us the keys to the bar on the plane because we, she just kept so tired of um, coming and taking our orders. We landed in Delhi at 3am and we are blind, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely blind. We've got nowhere to go. We haven't thought about anything. At, at this point, I've got, like, I still don't know anything about India. I haven't done any research. <laughs> I don't know anything. I, I knew Delhi was, was the capital, um, but I didn't know anything outside of that. So, so get there. And the moment for me I was like, I made a terrible mistake, was when we walked out of the airport onto the street. It's 3 a.m. And I look out onto the freeway and I can see a car that's just on fire, just burning uncontrollably. <laughs> And then two seconds later, a man rides past on an elephant. Um, on the <laughs> and I looked at my friend and he, was, he just was like, fuck. So anyway, so, that, so this is how this trip starts. Delhi hated it, never going back there. It was, uh, you know, it was easy for him to scam us because um, we had no fucking idea what we were doing. Anyways, we, we decide that uh, we're going to get out of Delhi and um, we don't know where to go. So we walk into um, a government travel agency and some guy um, goes, what do you want to do? We said, we don't know. We don't, I don't even know where we are. He goes, oh, well, people really like Rajasthan. You should go to Rajasthan. My tour company will take you around for two weeks. Um, this is your, your driver. His name was Janak. Um, like, <laughs> Janak will take you as my nephew. And then he's like, it'll cost you $200 each. We're like, great, let's do it. So paying him the money, he goes, we'll pick you up from the hotel tomorrow. Next morning, 6 a.m., old mate Janak rocks up. He ends up driving us around Rajasthan for two weeks in his car. Um, but the reason this is important for the start of this trip is because by the time we've been there about a day, um, we haven't smoked. And like I said, we were smoking every day back home. And we start really kind of losing our minds a little bit and we're like, you know, we really want to smoke, but, you know, I'm in a foreign country. I don't know where to ask for weed or whatever. So we didn't, we weren't asking. Anyway, so our, our mate Janak's driving us around and we end up becoming, you know, pretty friendly with him. One day we were driving and I just said, Janak, like, what's the deal with weed? Tell me what's the deal. Like, we want to smoke, you know, we're used to smoke every day and we're not smoking at the moment. And he said, well, uh, I don't know where you can get weed from. However, he's like, I've got another idea. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know what a lassi is? I don't. What is it's it? Like, so it's like a, a, a traditional Indian drink. It's like a yogurt kind of drink. Uh, and you get like all different like fruit kind of uh, bits of fruit. And it's again like a man- mango lassi. It's awesome. Very good source of um, probiotics. Um <laughs> But he was saying, he goes, you know, we do have this kind of lassi here. We call it bung lassi. And essentially it's lassi, but instead of, like, fruit, we put in hashish. And um, Oh, my God. I was That's like, sad for you. I'm like <laughs> sweet, let's, let's do it. Let's go. So 
So we pull up, you know, we get this lassie and absolutely smash it. And it was unbelievable. It was the best. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, we were like, we're back. This is so good. Um, and it certainly added an interesting dimension to uh, to doing that tour of, of Rajasthan. Like, I just remember being in this uh, rat temple, uh, and it's full of, of rats. Like, they're worshipping no. rats there, and you have to go in there um, with no shoes on. And I'm high as a kite, and there's this, <laughs> this white rat climbing on my leg up to my pocket oh. and I'm just standing there and the, the, the guy, the guy who's running the the uh, the rat team is like, oh, the white rat, it's very lucky. I was like, this is the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is my like, time. I'm yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm so fortunate. So we were having a great time, right? And we end up drinking this bung lassi every single day. Every day we'd get up go out and have breakfast, and breakfast was always the same. It was some sort of maybe like dal or, or some sort of curry and a bung lassi um, as well. <laughs> and and get super high, and we'd be high pretty much all day, and then we'd have another one a bit later, and we just had this buzz for like the whole time we were on this trip, right? <laughs> it was unreal. So that's kind of the setup, right? This is kind of how the story begins. So we finished that tour, and we head down south. We, I can tell you where we ended up. It was a, a, a guy who had a sign out the front of his shop and it said bakery slash gynecologist. And, um, <laughs> Stop. Wait. Is this one person who happened to bake bread and diagnose vaginal issues or what? Yeah, how was, does this work? I, it was a guy who just found his niche and he was like, you know, I love <laughs> I love. I love vaginas but i also love baking a delicious bap roll like let's do it <laughs> so we see we we go to this place and um the lights are still on and i can't knock on the door and as we as we do i was like hey can we sleep out the back and he luckily said you actually don't need to do that i i actually have another hotel up the road so we go to this hotel it's like a hut check in and we're in hampy and and it's uh cool we go to sleep <laughs> And we wake up the next day and we're like, right, it's time to go out for breakfast. So we go out and uh, we sit down. The guy's like, what do you want for breakfast? And this is where it starts. And I said to him, oh, we want two bung lassies. And I said, and make them really strong. So the guy's like, yeah, 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 finish him. The guy's like, I got you, no problems. Goes off, comes back, you know, we've got our bung lassies, whatever. Bottoms up. And he... Really strangely, out of character, he said, you know, I'm actually not feeling great today. The trip was long last night. I'm feeling a bit shit. You know, my guts are, are not great. We'll have it later. And I said to him, you know, you're lost then. And so I, I sculled mine no. and then I sculled his as well. No. Yeah, yeah. And it was delicious. And How big is the bung lassie? Like I'm picturing like one of those Yakult bottles. Is it like that no, size? Or? No, no. I think maybe more like a milkshake. <laughs> so i've had mine and now i've had his and this is where things started to get a bit weird so we get back to the uh hut and and we're not staying so much in a hut this time we we decided to splurge because we're only there for two days and we're in kind of like this it's like a brick kind of hut it's got a straw roof but the walls inside a brick and they've got wallpaper on them and there's I like, like a, how um, the Indian version of a splurge is a mud hut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was total mud hut. Mud hut in the middle of a rice field, right? And this is important. Yeah. 
It's got these, uh, I'll never, I'll never forget it. It's got this wallpaper, which is like this pattern of, um, little animated elephants with, um, little, like, cartoon Rajas riding on top with the little turbans and stuff. <laughs> and it's the same thing over and over and over, right? Like hundreds of them. Then we've got, like, kind of this straw divider, if you like, in the, it, towards the back of the, the hut. And then behind that is, like, concrete with, um, not a shower, it's a hose. It's just cold water coming out of a hose and a toilet and I just started feeling weird I I don't know it was a feeling like I've never had before and um I was like oh shit this this bong lassie is strong well I guess I've had two so that probably explains it but then I just started getting like higher and higher (laughs) and I just remember looking at the wall and it was the wallpaper with the the Raj on the elephants. And the elephants just started leaving. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. That's I was like, this has never happened. <laughs> At this point in my life, I've never done psychedelics, right? I, I kind of knew what they were, but not really. But the elephants just start riding off and kind of leaving the Rajas there on their own. And I was like... <laughs> This shouldn't be happening. And I'm too scared to say anything to my friend because he hasn't had any. He's sober, right? Like he's not touched anything that day. He wasn't feeling well. And he's not feeling good. He's got a sore stomach. So he's kind of probably off on the toilet. I'm just sitting there watching these these elephants ride off and I'm like, this is not right. So (laughs) then the next thing that happened, it, it hits. And it kind of is this feeling of like jumping on a trampoline and you get too high. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know? Uh, yeah. You know, and you just kind of go like, boo. Wee, see ya. Yeah, yeah, it was like, and so I'm lying on the bed and it just goes, wee. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. I'm like, I'm fucked. <laughs> and I just kept getting higher and higher. <laughs> and, like, I felt like my ability to think was like a, a pathway that was becoming narrower and narrower. So, <laughs> I could only process one thought at a time, but I'm kind of at the same time sitting there going, maybe this will pass. So it's mid-afternoon. I'm super high. I haven't told my friend yet. So he had this chessboard and he's sitting there playing chess and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm just sitting there going, keep it cool, Josh, keep it cool. (laughs) And then I look at my chest and it starts glowing, like with the brightness of the sun. I'm... (laughs) And at this point, I'm like, all right, if this doesn't get better now, I've got to say something. And the next thing that happened is that what I can only describe as my soul exited my body out of my chest. (laughs) And I'm sitting there trying to keep it back in. But it it, it got out, went through my hands and fucking bang, took off like a a lightning bolt out the door. It was gone. I lost my soul, right? At this point, your friend still doesn't know what's happening to you. He's playing chess no, no. like normal. Yeah, he's kind of noticed. Anyway, but now I'm like, I've got to say something, man, because I just died as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm like, this guy needs to know who he's traveling with. <laughs> I, you know, I owe it to him. So I, I said, Raph, like, man, I've got to tell you something. He's like, yeah, what, what is it? And I said, I just lost my soul. It's gone. <laughs> And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I said, like, it just happened. Like, my soul's gone and these fucking elephants are on the wall and they're gone too. 
And I was like, man, something's, something's going on here. I don't know what it is, but I really, if you can explain it to me, I'd appreciate it because I can't make sense of what's happening. And <laughs> he told me later that that day he went down to town and got, um, went to like an internet cafe and called his mum and was like, how do I come home? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I did not sign up for this. I yeah, <laughs> he was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. But he was like, look, I don't know what you're talking about. And he, I think, was trying to kind of calm me down. I think he had done psychedelics before, so I think he knew, hey, this guy's probably super wound up and um, started talking to me and trying to kind of, you know, negotiate with me. And he was like, no, nah, look, okay, your soul might be gone, but I think you can get it back. I was like, well, how? Like, how can I do this? Because I can't live without a soul. Like, I need it <laughs> to exist. Um, without it, I, I'm basically a vampire, and I can't have that. I, I don't know how it came to be. I think this is what I rationalised in my head, was that my soul had left my body um, but travelled forward in time, and if I caught up to it, um, it would cause the universe to fold in on itself. That was kind of what we what we had arrived on. He had decided that was a suitable explanation um, that would keep me calm. It didn't keep me calm because <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, shit, it's inevitable that I'm going to catch up with my soul and all, all existence will fold in on itself, and it's my fault. So I felt pretty bad about it. And he is still playing chess, and, and I said, um, you know, oh no, actually, I think he said to me is like, you know, maybe if you played chess, um, with me, that would, you know, that would kind of help because I think in his mind, he was like, if I can just keep this guy focused on one thing, it'll, it'll be okay. At this point, have you figured out that there's something wrong with nah. that yogurt drink? No, nah, nothing. I just you think, still think it must just be strong. I'm not really thinking about the lassie. I've got bigger problems now, um, which is that. <laughs> The whole responsibility of all time and space rests on my shoulders. <laughs> um, and it's 45 fucking degrees. Like, <laughs> Okay, uh, so you're playing chess. Yeah, now I've never played chess before, but he was like, we need to play. And basically that through playing chess, if I could somehow king him uh, and get a checkmate, that would somehow, um, you know, solve this problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Teach me to play chess. Look, it's not working. I'm not winning. I can't really focus on it for more than two minutes. The elephants are still moving around the room. And at this point, I'm so high and it's so hot that I have to have a shower every 15 minutes to just regulate my body temperature. Oh, um, my. So I'm just going back and forth from the shower, playing chess, shower, chess, shower, chess. It just goes on and on and on, right? You know, I don't know what time it is. Now it's late in the night. Haven't eaten. Not hungry. I've got, you know, I've got concerns. And um, got to the end of that that day, and we were like, "Fucking get this guy to sleep." You know, he'll sleep it off, and and we're good. So I was like, "Right, go to sleep. This will this will be over tomorrow." So that was day one. <laughs> <laughs> day two, I remember waking up, and my first thought is, "Fuck, I'm higher than I was when I went to sleep." <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Day two How do you was, know this? Have, have the elephants returned yet? I just felt super high, like unbelievable. You know the trampoline feeling? I had that <laughs> feeling when I woke up. Like I opened my eyes and went, boo! <laughs> Josh and his friend obviously knew that something wasn't right. So they went back to the cafe to suss out what was in these bung lassies. 
The waiter apparently has put everything to hand in these drinks. So there were some mushrooms, acid, hashish, just to name a few. But unfortunately, the trip continued on and on. More games of chess, followed by 15-minute showers, to the point where Josh couldn't sleep or be in his hut any longer. So this is his solution. So he asked the, the guy who was working at the hotel, his name was Sonny, can he set up my bed out in the rice field? <laughs> <gasps> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, because we're in like this rice rice paddy type thing with this mud hut in the middle. And I was like, I don't want to sleep inside anymore. I don't, I'm not. I'm basically not a human. I'm a vampire now, and I just want to be out amongst the animals where I can regulate my, my body temperature. Um, I, I, I need to go outside. So anyway, so they end up setting up a, a mattress um, out in a rice field <laughs> with like fucking bamboo post with a um, with a mosquito net, um, so that I didn't get. <laughs> and I. I slept in a rice field for three nights. Day three, I um, I wake up. I'm still fucking high. I'm not any less high than yesterday, but I'm not high now, so that's a good sign. Day four, thank fuck, I started to come down. <laughs> <laughs> it took me four days to have the stress. Maybe I've taken something. I know the guy said to me two days ago that, you know, he gave me acid and mushrooms and whatever. I was like, but now I'm connecting the dots that maybe that's why I feel the way I do and that it's not divine right. And <laughs> um, and as soon as I realised that, I was like, there's a way back. And then day five, I um, was still a little bit high, but I was like, get me the fuck out of Hampy right now. I'm never coming back to this place ever and I'm never drinking a fucking Bangladeshi ever again in my life. Fuck that. I'm done. And um, and so that morning we um, said that that's it. Um, we got out of there, got a, a bus back to Goa, and then a train up to Mumbai, and we were out of there. And um, and I was like, cool, I can get on with my life now. <laughs> oh, so looking back, what advice would you give yourself in that situation? <laughs> um, the only advice I would have given myself. Now, uh, I would have said to myself back then, it's going to be okay. Um, because I legitimately thought I was going to be high forever, um, <laughs> which is an interesting proposition to be faced with. Um, yeah, I really was just thinking, this is it. This this is it. This is everything I do in life now has to revolve around this, this condition that I'm now carrying. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I would have just said to myself, just, just chill out and just enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I had a great time. Uh, you know, it sounds all doom and gloom. It was just the highest of event, but like, <laughs> it, it was great. And I think, we, I think if your friend had been high as well, it would be, it would have been a totally different experience, but I can't imagine being like the only one on this extremely large number of multiple, like multiple different drugs all at once for four days. Yeah, and imagine how he felt. He, I mean, he's sitting there as like the, oh. the designated driver kind of person. Um, <laughs> you know, he's sitting there having to basically babysit me for five days. And had he just had it, I would have been half as high. But he would have been high too, and we probably would have had a great time. So you know, it is what it is. Charlie, you spent quite a bit of time in Colombia one year. So I just can't help but think that you might have some stories for us on this topic. 
true? <laughs> yes, absolutely true. Absolutely true. I do want to start by saying though that Colombia has so much more to offer and it really is one of my absolute favorite countries that I've ever backpacked. So I really don't want people to take this exact experience um, and run with it and think that that's their only view of Colombia. So disclaimer done, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple years back, I, as I said, went and visited Colombia and it was actually my first stop. I went to the city of Medellin. And before everyone ats me and says it's Medellin, yes, you can pronounce it Medellin, but the locals to that area actually call it Medellin. So I I like to call it what the locals call it. So anyway, I was staying in Medellin and, you know, as you do, you do your research. I was checking out my hostels, trying to figure out where to stay. And I think a lot of people do put a bit of two and two together and think there might be a few little nose beers happening in Colombia if you're off on your way. So I was doing my research and I was trying to find a place within the city that had good nightlife. It was a younger crowd, cool places to eat, drink. And I stumbled across what's called El Poblado. So exactly that really cool bars. Like it's fucking sick. If anyone's ever been to Melbourne and they've been to like Fitzroy, that's probably the best example of what I could say El Poblado is like. So yeah, I was there for like... I think this was only my second night and I was like right let's let's just get to it let's just rip the band-aid off where's the good stuff <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had a mate who actually lived there for six months and he said to me before I was heading over look if you want to take advantage of some of the local goods let me know and I will give you a connection and I was like that would be really good mate I could get it off the street but I'd much rather trust you know someone that knows someone that's had a connection before and and it was good I was told so my mate set it up my mate said oh look my sister's in um Medellin can you please help her out she's looking for look we'll just we'll just get to it look I was was looking for coke (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for cocaine um and so he was like yeah can you help my sister out my mate gets back to me and he says look we're on we've got it and he sent me this voice note back from I guess I'll say his name, Dracula. <laughs> what? what a name for a coke peddler. That's amazing. I know. I know. I hope he's not listening. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Stress Dracula. I hope that he is. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, my mate sends me back a voice note because everyone in Colombia uses uh, voice notes, actually. They don't tend to, like, text back and forth. It's quite common. And it's really good, especially for this story because it really helps us, like, paint the picture a little bit more. So I get this back. Not a problem, not a problem, brother. I will be nice with your sister. I give her basic prizes. I don't want to make money after her. That's because I like Australian guys, Australian girls, Australian people. I, not a problem. I give her the best we got. So that sounds quite positive. That really. sounds yeah, legit. Yeah, um, had some good experiences with Aussies and wanting to spread the love. That's nice. It's yeah, I was thinking... Yeah, I was thinking we are on here. Like I was fucking <laughs> stoked. I was like, yes, like this sounds legit as fuck. Can't wait. Like let's go. So obviously I get the number. I message Dracula. I'm like, you know, hey, I'm in El Poblado. I just want to pick up, blah, 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 you know, the normal stuff. And he's kind of being a bit shady about it, like kind of like pushing off on it and I was like oh I was like what the fuck like so weird we just got that voice memo saying it was all good like I'll give her good prices best regards to your sister I was like this guy's I don't know what what made you think he was being shady so uh, 
What's unfortunate is I don't have his chat anymore because I blocked him and it will be obvious why in a moment. <laughs> but I'm really fortunate because I forwarded these voice notes to my mate who hooked me up. So, but it was just kind of like, oh, I don't know, lady, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, be careful. What are you doing? Like, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, you pretty much told me to come straight to you. Like, this is getting a bit weird, right? Maybe yeah. he'd been spooked or something. Definitely sounds like he's done a 180. Yeah. And well, we say 180 and I got that, like, it was like a two minute window. Like I didn't leave any fucking time. I was like, we're on. And I sent the message. Like, it's not, it's not like something. <laughs> no time to wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not like something could have happened in two minutes where he says best regards to your sister to, I don't know, lady, be careful. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> So he kind of keeps pushing back, pushing back, and then he sends through this voice memo. Evening, lady. How you doing? Welcome town. Uh, be really careful about what you do in this fucking town now. In the last year, things changed a lot. In the last four, in the last four months, when we have the new president, things get upside down. We moved out from Poblado a long time ago. We don't even want to deal with that drama anymore. Uh, I would like to talk to you in person, not just because of that. I have something really, really good. Uh, maybe you know someone in your country who wants to work with me. I can put what you want down here. I can put it there. So maybe I think that's a much, much better idea. I want to meet up with you just to give you what's going on. Maybe you go back home and you talk to your friends and you know, you know somebody who knows somebody. That's how it goes. So maybe someone wants to try it up and we can make real good money. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this guy went from not being that keen to sell you like a bag of Coke to trying to turn you into a drug mule. Is that always, is that, that's the implication? Yes, that is exactly the implication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I know. What the hell? Talk about Cocaine Cassie 2.0 there. Like, take a box of headphones home, will ya? <laughs> what did you say back to that? I actually said thank you for letting me know to be careful and stuff. Like, I thanked him, I think. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. And then, yeah, and then I went straight to my mate who gave me the hookup and I was like, dude, like, you literally just nearly turned me into a drug mule. Like, what the fuck is that about? <laughs> like, <laughs> I said, Dracula's cooked. He wants to meet with me to set up arrangements in Australia and make money. I cannot pick up from him. He said shit's changed here and just for smaller amounts I need to go to the streets. I don't know what he thought little Aussie Charlie was going to do. <laughs> Quite um, ironic that my name's Charlie, but um, <laughs> I don't know what he thought little Aussie Charlie was going to do, like how much he thought I needed for my night out in El Poblado. But, yeah, pretty crazy, right? I don't know. Do you think, is that how it works? Like do you think there's girls out there that write back to that and be like, sounds great, when can we meet? Like yeah. what? <laughs> I can't even imagine who writes back to that being like, sick, imagine, like, I've struck gold here. Yeah, I know. I don't really know. Like, that's what I mean. I'm like, was I two seconds away from that? That's why I said, like, I blocked him because I was like, Jesus, I don't even want him to know where I am or what's going on because, <laughs> you know, what if I did meet him and what if he, like, puts me in the back of the car and he's like, you have to do this or we'll kill your family or I don't know. Like, <laughs> you never know. 
Yeah, anyway, that was at, well, I was like with a group of people at the hostel and they happened to have a connection and then they were organising it and then they were like, the person had to come and someone had to go out and volunteer as tribute and you had to get in the car of the person and drive around the block with the person. And I was after hearing mine, I was like, I am not getting in that car. <laughs> like, oh my there is God. no way. But I'll put in. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So looking back, Charlie, what advice would you give yourself in that situation? Look, the thing is, is that I think I did everything right. Like obviously doing cocaine in another country or any country, it's like illegal. So <laughs> I, I think that that's obvious. But in terms of how I approached it, I think it was quite smart asking a friend that had lived there for six months and trying to get a safe and trusted hookup and, you know, did 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 my research and <laughs> I blocked him when I knew that there was a proposal of a drug meal involved. So I think that I handled <laughs> that situation very well. <laughs> so you ended up getting your hands on some coke in the end and then what happened? Like did you have a good time with it? Did you go out that night? Tell us more. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really end there. So what happened was is – we get the coke, everyone's buzzing. Like the group I was with, they hadn't yet had coke yet in Colombia too. So it was like real good, like kind of like, you know, when you have, you go on a holiday and it's like it, you call it first night antics and everyone just gets a little bit giddy and like a bit loses control a little bit. Like, oh, I feel like everyone that I was with was on first night antics vibe. It was real good. So yeah, we got the coke. Um, we had a bit of it at the hostel. The hostel was chilled. Like they they kicked you out at twelve to like go out and party if that's what you wanted to do. Otherwise, it was quiet there, which was nice. So you could like escape the craziness if you wanted to. It was a good balance. So yeah, we head out to the city. We get to the main square, and look, we knew like you should probably be really smart about your drugs. Like I think you should anywhere you are, but especially here, just from what you hear and what you learn and stuff. So we all decided that we would put our bags in our underwear and that would be the safest spot for it. I've never done that before either, like extreme. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's um, even you just saying it, like it just seems like it might be quite normal in Colombia, but like I certainly don't know anyone that's done that before. Turns out it was really fucking smart of me and I advise you do the same or just don't take it with you. But anyway, so I go out, we get to the main square and there are cops everywhere. Like there are police lights, there's tents set up. Like I'm like, man, I just want to have a good time. Like this, I'm like on edge. This is stressful here. Like what's going on? Like anyway, we're supposed to be going to like a hostel bar crawl kind of thing, like one that they organise. And the group's like going through the square and the cops pull aside like a handful of us. So we get separated from the group. Obviously, like it's fucking me in the group that gets pulled aside. Like I'm shaking. I've got the sweats. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is where it ends here. Like day three, Columbia. Like I can't believe it. Like I'm going to go to jail. What the hell? So we're in a line and they're kind of like processing us. And so like I'm like at the back of the line because we've just been pulled in and, you, and as you do, you're like, Oh, mate, also trying to act chill after you've just blown a shit ton of the bag before you leave on the way out. (laughs) Not not advisable. Like, I know I'm I'm like trying not to like tap my feet and shit. Like, it was, I'm like, act chill, act chill, act chill. I was not acting chill, I don't think. 
So I'm like observing what's going on up ahead, but trying not to make it too obvious because I was like, you know, I sh- I've got to be chill, but I'm like obviously like looking up ahead, like what are they doing? What are they doing? What's coming for me? I see that they're like taking wallets off everyone. They're taking everyone's passports. They've got sniffer dogs everywhere. No. no. None for. I. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god! This, yeah, I was like relatively calm till you said sniffer dog. Yeah, like, yeah. my heart's racing. Yeah, I was like, oh my god! Like, and awkward when the dog comes and smells my crutch. Like, <laughs> sick. Like that's going to be fun to tell the cops slash soldiers. Like, really can't be bothered with this. Did they all have guns? Yeah, there were guns. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Um, army trucks, like, turns <gasps> out. I'm picturing, like, militia, like, vans, like, a full, like, and, and guns in, in, look, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't been to Colombia, but I'm picturing, like, a full, like, machine gun style. It's not like a, it's not like a revolver you'd see on a cop in Australia, no, right? It's no. like a full. We're talking AK-47s. Like <laughs> yeah, like, over the shoulder, <laughs> like, with the strap and stuff. I'm thinking, like, floodlights. I'm thinking, yeah. 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 Floodlights. Oh. There was honestly floodlights on us and the dogs circling. And uh, I and so side note, turns out there was a raid in the city and they do it unplanned and once every like six to twelve months the locals were telling us to try and catch out like all of this like stuff that I guess I was getting involved in. And <laughs> <laughs> And I got caught up in it all. Um and so yeah, like they they take your photos as well. So I eventually get to the front. I'm like shaking, like I'm handing over my passport. It's like shaking, like like I was like, I'm obviously fucked here. Like this is <laughs> this is anyway, where it ends. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they process me and they go move along. The dogs didn't pick up on it. No one picked up on it. Me and all my mates, what like the five or so of us, we got through, and I got through, and I was looking for everyone, and they were like sitting on like this concrete ledge, and I saw them like I just met them like eight hours ago, and I was like, oh my god, thank god we're all okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my Wait, god. So did the, the dogs were, were near you? They just didn't pick up any yeah, scent. Fucking jokes on those dogs. Was it like, hot that day? Maybe maybe you were just real hot and sweaty down there, and it overpowered it. Nah, not overly hot. I was actually there in December. After that, we obviously, as I said, found each other and we were like, oh, my God, that was fucked up. So we were just like, this is not worth it. And we like ran, like we literally ran. That's how scared we were. We were running back to the hostel. We ran back to our hostel and then we were like, let's just, let's just do a shit ton and leave it here and go back out. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not going to flush it. It's not that extreme, but definitely – not be parading outside yeah. with it. And then the funniest thing I stayed yeah. out with, I stayed out with that group of people till like 8am and I had three more nights at that hostel in Medellin booked, but I just thought for some reason it was a really good idea to get on their 8am bus to Salento. And so like I ended up in Salento, which is an amazing spot with like huge, the biggest wax palm trees in the world. It's amazing. Look it up. You have to go if you're there. But I remember like <laughs> well, actually, there was this minivan bus and I had to sit at the back and my seat wasn't bolted into the bus and it was such a bumpy road that about every five minutes the seat would slide off what where it was supposed to be <laughs> bolted into. It was the worst fucking day of my life. I was coming down like shit. Then I end up in Salento and I like kind of come to and I'm like, why the fuck am I in Salento? Like I still had three nights in Medellin, but hey, it was all good. <laughs> 
Holy shit. I mean, didn't you have um, some other story? Didn't you get searched by the police in Colombia as well at some point? So I was up on the north coast and I was going to go to Tyrona National Park and I was trekking that day. Really beautiful, actually. If anyone's heading there, please take the time to go to Tyrona National Park. You can actually go out and camp um, in these little tents on the ocean. Oh, it, it's, yeah, it's nuts. So, so nice. Anyway, so me and a mate decided that we would go there together and we weren't staying overnight. We were just trekking to the beach and then we were just walking back. And to be honest, we were halfway through the trek and they had these they were army men, to be honest, and they were like soldiers with the big guns. Like it was quite confronting. And they get you to pull over and like to the side and they're like, oh, we're just doing a random search. And at this stage I was like, yes, yeah, sweet. And then it hit me and I was like, oh, fuck, I'd left weed in there. So I, I, I didn't even mean to pack the weed on the trek. Like, sure, it would have been nice at the end, celebratory joint, but <laughs> – I didn't mean for it to happen like that. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I get stopped and one soldier takes my mate and then a soldier takes me. So we're kind of like separated and I'm on my own with this soldier and he pulls out like little roach tips and like papers that have obviously been ripped up to make a joint. To be fair, though, it was cigarette papers that were ripped up to make a joint. And if you if you smoke, you know what I'm talking about. And this is what I mean is that this guy obviously does do this because he th- there is no way unless you're a stoner you know what that means. So anyway, he picked it up and he looks at me and he and he and he just gave me these eyes and I was so I was I, I like I'm shaking now thinking about it. I was like shaking in my boots. I was like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And he looks at me and he just goes hmm marijuana, and I just said. Oh no! Like I, I smoke rolling cigarettes. Like it's just it's just for cigarettes. And he's just like giving me this look. Like I know that it's not just for cigarettes. The way you've ripped this up, and so he this gives him claws to really search my bag. Like at the start, it was kind of like a oh yeah, what do you got in there? This gave him yeah motive. He's like, let's check. This leveled bag. up. Yeah, we've leveled up here. It was extreme, and I've been taken even further away from my mate. Anyway, the guy picks up my glasses case and I know I'm done for here like I know the weeds in the glasses case so he opens up the glasses case and he picks up the bag of weed and he just looks at me and I was like I'd heard so many stories to be honest of people getting caught in Colombia with different drugs and they would be taken to ATMs there was no ATM in the middle of a national park and they'd be told to give them all the money we had no cash on us like it was really like we had nothing to give if this was going to go that way and I was really really like shitting myself at this stage <laughs> well it was kind of weird I really surprised myself I took on this like alter ego of like I don't give a fuck it was so weird <laughs> oh it must have been no do you know what I reckon it's the fight or flight like you've obviously decided in that moment that's your fight you're right right let's do it yeah so I'm done. I also knew that I was like you know what I'm I, like if he's got a problem with this he can tell me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like oh lo siento lo siento like I'm sorry I'm sorry like here's my money here's this like I just stood there like giving him eyes like what what's the issue didn't say one <laughs> word <laughs> standoff standoff it, and, it, and it felt like forever it probably went for a good 30 seconds which in that time <sighs> feels so long and he just kept like 
I'll make sounds now because you can't see. And it and it he just kept being like, hmm? Hmm? Like like shrugging his shoulders up, like putting it more in my face, like kind of being like, huh, huh? Like, what are you gonna say about this? And I just kept looking at him like, well, what are you gonna say about this? I'm not saying shit. Like, you're the I don't have a problem. I'm fucking happy. I've got my weed. I'm ready to go for the trek. Like, stoked I found it. Now, if I get out of this, I'm definitely gonna have a joint when we get to the end of the track. Like (laughs) (laughs) And he just kind of kept me kept the eyes on me and then he looked over at his mate who was with my friend realized that they were preoccupied looked at me gave me a wink and put it back in my glasses case and just packed my bag up patted me on the back and said off you go <gasps> no! Oh, oh my god! I, sorry, I forgot that happened. I thought he, t- for some reason, I was expecting him to keep it for himself and just say nothing. Nah, I can't believe he gave it back to you. I, and uh, do you know what? At that moment, I was validated. I was like, my earlier thoughts that this guy was a stoner confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, no one. Only a stoner would have let you keep your own weed. A hundred percent. I just can't believe, like. The odds of that happening in Colombia, they must be so small. If I was them, I would literally have been like, score, let's take this person for what it's worth, like, you know, get my week's worth of money. Like, it's just how it goes. And I was just shook that that's not how it went in that situation. I was just like, I don't know how, what, where, why, but here we are. Looking back, do you have any advice for yourself in that situation? (laughs) So, yeah, to be honest, I, like, check your shit. Like, I, <laughs> although it turned out really good that I had the weed at the end, it, it, like, was not necessary in that moment. And we knew that there was guards throughout there. Like, we'd been told. Like, so it's it's not like, yeah, like, I should have been more prepared. I don't know why I didn't think to check or whatever, but it was just in there. And, yeah, probably just check your shit. Be smart. (laughs) Right. So my biggest takeaway from this is that if you're going to take any kind of drugs, but particularly hallucinogens, make sure your friend's taking them with you. Why would you want to be stuck by yourself that whole time? (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, tell your friend as well. Like, awkward. Like, don't leave it for so long and not tell them. That's getting worse and worse. (laughs) (sighs) No, but also I really want to reiterate that if you get a message from someone giving you a proposition to be a drug mule, that is your cue to block them. Not today, Dracula. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> not now. Block. Not ever. Block. <laughs> <laughs> I will not come into your jug ring. Not now. Not ever. <laughs> <laughs> not sure how much Julia Gillard's going to love us kind of playing on that quote for this episode, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of One Night in Bangkok. We love sharing these stories with you. If you have a crazy travel story, tell us about it. You can send an email, tell us at one night in bkk.com or hit us up on Instagram at one night in bkk podcast. Thank you for flying with us today. We trust you had a pleasant flight and we look forward to seeing you next time.